Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. Hey everyone, welcome to my podcast with Blamo. If you're new here, my name is Derek Guy of Die Workwear, and this podcast is hosted in collaboration with Jeremy Kirkland and Rob Lynn from Blamo. This week, we discuss the blow-up from Twitter, debate what is a luxury brand nowadays, and I share some of my favorite products recently. Let's dive in. It's great to chat with you again, but you've had quite a, quite the blow-up since, since we've talked. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, it all started with Dave Portnoy, um, I think. I, I don't, I mean, I know as much as anybody, but I think it started with Dave Portnoy. Well, I mean, Portnoy you were, you were a pretty brickle. big account before then. I had a... Uh, f- around like 50,000 followers going into November of uh, 2022. And then I got into uh, a brief back and forth with Dave Portnoy. And then a bunch of Brick Watch guys started following me. And then uh, one of them said, how is the Brick Watch thing different from Ralph Lauren buying like a cashmere sweater for, I don't know, they said something like five bucks and selling it for 500. And I screenshotted that comment and I said, um, I just want to do a quick thread about Scottish cashmere. And then the Scottish cashmere thread blew up. And then going into the end of the year, I started feeling uncomfortable making the jokes that I used to make because from the brick watch and the cashmere thread, I ended up getting like 30,000 new followers. And oh my God, I didn't want to make jokes about like engineered garments and capital because I didn't think they would land. And I also especially felt very uncomfortable making jokes about like Allbirds or Untucket. Because before, most people who are following me are not wearing Allbirds and Untuckets, like all bunch of menswear guys. So I felt that that was still a good natured joke. Um, and I started feeling like that's it doesn't feel good natured anymore if like somebody is wearing that and then they read that. I don't, wouldn't want someone to like walk out the house and think like, oh, are people laughing at my shoes? Um, so I had to then... I, I just started making some earnest threads. I started um, not being so like snarky and um, jokey. I would just make like informative threads. And then I think because of the Dave Portnoy thing and the cashmere thing already, I, I don't know how Twitter's algorithm works, but I think because I assume, I don't know, but I, I think the algorithm saw that I was like gaining a bunch of followers and that people were interacting with these threads. Um, that put me in a position where whenever they actually turned on the For You algorithm, I a lot of the stuff that I was posting just then got pushed onto people's pages. And I didn't even realize that was happening until that one person tweeted, um, why is Twitter trying to make me follow the menswear guy? And then I was slightly horrified because I, I saw a bunch of people were like upset about it. <laughs> so, Wait, really? Um, oh, yeah. I've gotten... I've gotten so many people mad and upset. Uh, the response so far has been crazy. I've gotten people who have demanded that I say trans rights matter. I've gotten white supremacists who found out and I'm an Asian immigrant and have like, I showed up on one account that, um, that tracks anti-white 
it's called like anti-white list or something like that. It's basically like a, a, a big account that tracks people that they feel are being anti-white. And I landed on that account for some reason. Um, oh, because I said that, um, uh, I said tailored clothing has like nothing to do with like respectability and that I find it gross that people use tailoring for like this kind of like return to tradition white nationalism stuff. Um, and then because I said that, I also said that those return guys, I feel don't know anything about clothes. So then I land on this like um, anti-white list and then a bunch of those guys started hounding me. Um, yeah, wow. I've gotten de- I've gotten uh, like people saying, go kill yourself. Um, no, I've gotten that. Yeah. I've gotten all, all sorts of like crazy responses, um, but also a lot of good responses. It's just, yeah, been very, very strange overall. Wow. Uh, so much for making some memes on the internet. Yeah, that's the thing. And then I'm also <laughs> self-conscious now because um, I still, you know, one of the things is that I do post pics of like Jordan Peterson and say he dresses poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and before I still felt a little, I still feel somewhat comfortable doing that. Um but I feel less comfortable now than I was when I was a 50,000 account because um, it, I was—I just felt like I was talking to a very niche audience. And people who follow me like have known me for a while. And I don't know. It's not, it's probably not something that I should have been doing anyway. I mean, if I'm just being honest, it's just not, it's not like a good vibe to put out there. It's not a good vibe to say like this person dresses. I think that's like a bad thing to put out to the world. Um, but I do sometimes post those photos because I think they represent some things that a lot of guys do and some pitfalls. And I wouldn't want to like post a regular dude's photo because that's really lame. Um, so I feel less bad posting a photo of Jordan Peterson and saying like, this is like a dumb way to approach tailored clothing. Um, but I found my, I find myself over time feeling a little bit more cautious about like posting dunks or posting like negativity or something. Cause I, you just don't know who's following you and how they're going to take it. And it just sometimes comes off as like heavy. spirited. I mean, it is, it's obviously, <laughs> it's not, it's not kind spirited. It's not something that the Dalai Lama would do. You know, but um, I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's weird. Um, I recently posted a photo of like Kevin McCarthy wearing wearing dress sneakers with a suit, and I really dislike dress sneakers. And um, uh, I feel better posting a photo of Kevin McCarthy than I do posting of like a regular dude. But then I did get a lot of flack from some people saying like, "Stop picking on Kevin McCarthy." Um, and I can see like that's not I don't know it's not like a good vibe to put out there. Okay, I'm I didn't. I'm still trying I, to like. I didn't intend to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm I'm going to take a very quick segue here because I think what you're talking about is the line. Right. Like what is the like. So first off on Twitter, Twitter is a cesspool in general. Um, And I think your account was always created in good humor. Like you made jokes about things you made, you know, engineer garments. It was all inside fashion stuff for a very, very small group of people. Um. And just to, just to interject, that's the, that's the other thing that I'm uncomfortable with is that before I was making stuff in good, what I felt was good natured, good humor kind of, cause I like engineer garments. I like capital. Mm -hmm. I feel weird about making those jokes now because someone might not realize that it's a joke about a brand that I like. Um, like I make jokes about Amelie and Dora and I like ALD. Mm -hmm. Um, but then some people will reply like, Oh, you really hate this brand. And it's like, no, it makes it feel really weird because I feel like the context is gone, you know? Um, yeah, still trying to figure it out. But anyway, just go on. No, I mean, I, I think that's, that's it because, you know, that's, what makes social media so great and so awful in the sense that like there's a ton of power behind it and you can you can really you know make people see things differently and it's funny and we can all have you know fun with it but as it grows and it gets bigger and bigger context right you people don't know who you were or where you came from you know now you have people that are following you that think you're the menswear guy and it's like you are but at the same time you actually like you know in in true menswear format you're like I learned all these rules so I could break them like I you know like there's so there's there's 
a a line that is that exists and i think now you're like well crap i can't really make these jokes as much as i used to because there's all these literally over a hundred thousand other people that may not know the history of me my perspective my point of view all that other stuff and so this happens you with- can't even make jokes about like 2010 double monks because a lot of the people have no idea what even that means like that's like the most basic mental like spreads jokes are like Bingo. so trite at this point you know but you can't you can't make a spreads joke or like 2010 double monks because many people didn't go through like tumblr and all that um yeah it's it's weird i mean um the one that bothered me the most is really just the return stuff um because i got lumped in with a bunch of those dudes and i um i i hate people i why i have a strong distaste for those dudes but um for what, i also who? dislike the general who attitude of like are you familiar with the whole like return stuff on I'm, twitter Totally oblivious to it. Oh, thank God. You are you are in, in a blissful place. <laughs> Return to tradition is like a whole meme on Twitter um, where someone will post like uh like a building of like classical Roman architecture and then they'll post like a brutalist building or they'll post uh, a Greek statue and then they'll post like a postmodernist, you know, kind of like painting or whatever. And the whole thing is like return to tradition, reject modernity. And there's often those accounts will also have memes showing like like uh, this is no, this is not uh, any offense. To, this is where I get. This is how I end up getting on like anti-white watch Twitter list. But they'll have they'll have like a photo of like this precious white family, and there's like a subtle undertone of like the immigrants are coming, the you know the ethnic you know kind of minorities are coming. They're gonna like taint this family. Uh, so these accounts are very like, oh, and, th- and then there's like the return to tradition, like traditional masculinity, and they'll post a photo of, you know, like, I don't know, Billy Porter or something like that. Um, it's actually usually not even Billy Porter. It's it's actually much more mean-spirited. It's someone who's, you know, it's, it's usually just someone who's like a, at a drag show or something. Okay. Um, so uh, Paul, I can't remember his name, but there's one of these big accounts, um, Paul something. Um, he posted screenshots of me and said um this guy wants everyone to wear a suit every day but he's too chicken to say like you know like return to tradition or whatever incidentally that dude wears like blue sneakers with sport coats so it's my whole point was like a lot of these return guys are more shoehorning their politics into clothes and they're not real clothes guys um and anyway I, i i dislike being associated with that group um for obvious reasons, I'm an Asian immigrant and do not share the worldview. Um, yeah, wow. on Twitter, also I also get casted as like this guy wants you to like dress up and like avoid dressing in streetwear or whatever. And I just think of myself as a clothes guy. You know, I I'm I you know I I like workwear and streetwear and fashion forward stuff and avant garde stuff. I think all of it's great as long as the aesthetic is right. Um, I think there's bad tailoring and you know like bad avant garde stuff. I I don't think of it as like camps. I was gonna say I think. The biggest thing and is like, how, how do we, you, whatever, I mean, I, I think folks will figure this out after they, they hear it. Um, it. How do you explain to people the context of all this stuff ahead of time? And like, this is what makes Twitter also awful in that instance, because now you're in a way you're a bit muzzled by the reason that you came there, right? Which was to have fun and to vent and to kind of be silly on the internet. And, you know, now there's, it's, it's, you can see how people weaponize this stuff. And I'm, by the way, I'm not putting words in your mouth in any way, shape or form. I'm, I'm more just being like, I wish and want there to be additional context so people can, so people can, you know, you can just keep doing whatever you're doing and, and not be so worried about that. But now you see like how all this stuff is just so, it's so crazy. Uh, 
uh, I mean, I don't think I, I'm ever going to make those like very niche jokes again on Twitter because it just doesn't make any sense on Twitter anymore. Um, but it's made me realize that Twitter is really powerful co- for content creators or really any kind of company because a lot of stuff that I post now on Twitter is like really old news for anyone who's been following a menswear blog for 10 plus years. So yeah, um, it's true, true. If, if you if you've been following menswear blogs for a while, like that will be obvious. But the thing is, is that in order to get that information before you would have had to have an interest in clothing, you would have to know about a website and then you'd have to take the initiative to go to that website and read these articles. And um, now Twitter's algorithm is putting content in front of people who don't know a blog's URL and may not even have an interest in clothing, right? It doesn't right. have to be clothing. It could be whatever whatever it is, cooking or fishing or whatever the hobby is. Um, it's putting content in front of people who may not be interested in that subject and exposing them to new information. And that's like one of the um, Twitter's algorithm, I think, is could be very powerful for um, kind of companies and content creators and anyone on social media because you're reaching these huge new audiences. Um, but the downside of that is, again, um, you know, you might just catch a stray from like white nationalists because they have no interest in clothing, but, you know, they they have an interest in white nationalism and they will take your content and they will shoehorn their own views into whatever you're talking about and then get mad that, you know, you said this or whatever. Um, it's not just white nationalists. I mean, I've gotten like, um, you know, I've gotten to... I, I, I've realized I also just have like a personality for getting into fights with people on Twitter. So it's not, I'm I'm not saying that I'm innocent, Uh, but you know, I've gotten into a bunch of fights with Twitter with all sorts of groups. But it's it gets relentless. Yeah, it, for it the is. last couple of weeks, it's just constant, constant uh, people. My mentions is just like um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. There's some stuff that you're doing on there that I think is really good, and I think that's. I mean, that's what Rob and I definitely want to chat with you about where you've you've also and this I think is great because if we kind of go back to the core of this stuff and and you and I even when we talked about doing this podcast, you were like one of the things that is that moves the needle for me and that makes you happy is that you're able to educate and inspire and get more people into clothes and menswear right like that's you know that's why you are that's the thing that i actually really care about that's like that's our previous conversations about like j crew i really think that there needs to be a new like there you have to reach new audiences you can't keep talking to the same people who were reading the sartorialist in 2005 because those guys closets are full and that's the one thing that i've been excited about i've tweeted a couple of product links yeah. and those companies said that they sold out immediately which would not have happened to a time to turn on affiliates audience because <laughs> yeah they have they have they have tons of clothes they're a lot more picky about what they buy but if you are um you know I'm, I'm recommending the same things that i would recommend anyway but i've i've been really heartened to see new people say i've been inspired to dress better where i didn't have an interest in clothes before or i thought twice about buying this fast fashion garment or I bought, I've had people say that I bought a pair of fatigues or I bought, um, a French chore coat because of your recommendation. I had one guy say that he brought a suit out of his closet to wear for like no reason, like just to wear it. And to me, that was like, this is fantastic because that is um, another one. That's the <laughs> thing that I actually care about. You know, that's the reason why yeah. I I often say that I, I care about J. Crew so much is because even though, yes, the clothes are like stylistically a bit basic, it's a, such a great entry point for just like regular dudes who are not going to like hop into the deep end of like capital and like bespoke tailoring, you know? Um, well, I mean, that's yeah. great. 
I mean, so so one of the things you did, and you know, Rob, I'd love for you to kind of take the lead here, where you you wrote this thread. I mean, you've done a ton of threads, um, but you did a really interesting thread about kind of the history of Brooks Brothers and more or less like what it takes to launch a brand. And like, you know, I mean, you kind of wrote in a, <laughs> it's kind of about the, the downfall of Brooks Brothers, but I think there was some hope in there. I mean, Rob, do, do you want to kind of jump in here on yeah, that? Yeah, so I think it um, it started off with the Tiffany uh, uptowns, right? That was the, the thing. Yeah, the the Tiffany Nikes yeah. that that got announced, which you know, uh, I I I I'm fine. Miss me with that, but yeah, go ahead. Rob. Um, yeah, I think. Well, we could probably talk about the Tiffany thing, but um, you kind of pivoted <laughs> to like, okay, it's a luxury band, um, and I'm actually curious because you don't really explain what the connection is there. Um, I can kind of guess at it, but uh, you start talking about Brook, Brooks Brothers, which um, in your retelling was once a, a luxury. Um, brand and and kind of isn't anymore and and the series of decisions and transactions that took them in that direction um so i guess i'll start off with what's the connection to tiffany yeah i mean i get i'm 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 actually curious to hear your thoughts on what a a luxury brand is but yeah like what 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 brought that to mind when you were looking at all the discussion about the the tiffany nike thing well the tiffany thing started it's not just about for me it's not just about the sneakers it's about the nft necklace um it's about the new jersey collaboration they're doing this i think it's like a football jersey or something like that Mm -hmm. um they also did like some supreme stuff Um, the supreme stuff i think is the best out of all of the new things that they've been doing. But it, it's really just about how luxury brands end up, you could either say losing their vision or at least changing their vision and doing mm-hmm. what I consider to be more mass market um, products. So whereas before luxury was a very exclusive thing. And I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's just, a, it's just the reality that a luxury item is going to be exorbitantly expensive. It's going to cater towards this very niche group the, the elite essentially and it's not going to be accessible in terms of price sometimes even geography um to most people and over time as a luxury brand grows it has to pay for certain costs and that often in my view comes um at a trade-off of making things more affordable more stylistically accessible and also geographically accessible and i think um sometimes that ends up constraining the brand in terms of how they grow and what they're able to produce and even though i can't afford like i don't own anything from asprey for example which is this london brand that Mm -hmm. makes insanely expensive things um i can't aff- I actually i actually have one sweater from them that i bought off of ebay um but i suspect it's counterfeit so oh, wow. um <laughs> but i i i could not i could not go into a store and buy anything from their shop because it's too expensive um but i enjoy that cer- those things exist because i like that they employ skilled craftspeople and I like that they are making these like unique, beautiful things. Um, I just like the fact that they exist. And I think that vision and that craft gets diluted over time as a brand grows. And that's why I tied it into Brooks Brothers because um, this is, you know, it's no, it's no shade to Michael Bastian and um, Ken Ohashi, who I think are both doing great work. Um, but Brooks Brothers, in my view, is not the same brand as it was in the early 20th century or even mid 20th century. It's just a much larger company. And as such, it has to produce certain things to pay the bills. Um, so I wrote a thread about the history of Brooks Brothers, which used to be such America. American menswear was never as like luxurious. Like um, a, a journalist contacted me recently and said, um, 
he's doing a story on Ivy Style. He said, is is Ivy Styles like, is that like America's version of Salva Roe? And it's not because um, Brooks Brothers and Ivy Style have always been more machine made and accessible than Salva Roe. Just take, for example, how a suit is made. Um, one, American Taylor is obviously just ready-made, whereas Savaro is bespoke. But if you look at the, the stitching, for example, a Savaro suit will have hand-picked stitching for the lapels. And you have to you have to finish the lapels in this way so that the lapel doesn't roll over. And on Savaro, they finish this the lapels by hand, and it's a, a mark of craft. Whereas mm-hmm. the classic American suit has always had machine stitch lapels. In fact, I think it would be weird if you did a sack suit with hand-picked lapels. In my mind, it would be wrong. Um, so American tailing has always been this more democratic thing, but Brooks Brothers catered towards this kind of, you know, they dressed presidents, preps, and people in the kind of professional managerial class in these cosmopolitan cities. So they dressed elites. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they introduced many beautiful, um, although we'll, we'll call them machine-made at least, They although they sold machine-made clothes, they didn't sell handmade clothes. Um, right. The things were luxurious and they're associated with elites. And um, over time, you know, the styles have just become uh, more mass market, let's say. Um, right. And I, I told a story of how that happened. How is it that when you go into Brooks Brothers now, you see silk screen tees with, I um, can't remember, they have like new mascot with the sheep. It's like a cartoon mm. sheep. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know it's fine. Uh, look, I understand you got to pay bills, and it's just the reality of um, the business. But when you go into like early Brooks Brothers, it's just a different thing. You know, it's it's serving a different clientele. They're selling different types of products, um, and we're not talking. You know, obviously, silkscreen teeth did not exist in the early 20th century, but it's the idea of them. You know, it's the same with um, Abercrombie and Fitch. You know, how did it go from? Want to hear the rest? Listen to the full episode and many more other exclusive episodes over on our Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash Blamo to sign up and join the Blam fam. You also get access to our exclusive members only Slack group where we chat about this and a ton of other things. So head over to patreon.com forward slash Blamo and we'll see you there.